happened last night. The, the year shifted. <laughs> the year shifted. The Earth rotated around the sun once again, and we left that godforsaken pile in the past. It's done now. It's done now. And guess what, gang? It's 20 late teen. That's why this episode's one day late. We're, we're, it's not. Yeah, it that's is, why. That's why. It's not because that's we why. both it's not got super my flight swamped. got canceled. Uh, it's because we're just really sticking to the theme sticking of 2018. Our... That's right. I was gonna call it. Oh, what's that? Your party was at 6:30. What's the 6:30 <laughs> party? What? What? No, no, no. I showed up at 7:45. Everybody was already gone. I showed up the next day. You oh, weren't home. Damn it! Broke Liam, into your house. You're getting on 2018 way better than I am. I've got to step my game up. Yeah, it's all about breaking and then and. It's all about breaking and entering into uh, a loved one's home. It sure is. That's what the holidays are all about. Well, hey, yeah, sorry, y'all. It's a little late. We got swamped by the holidays. These things happen. Liam literally just got home, and we're recording it now. I'm sick. It's a, It's been an ordeal. That being said, I'm Tom Lockney. I'm Liam Sr. And I like to talk about video games and the internet. And I like to talk about show business, baby. And each week we sit around the proverbial bonfire and tell each other a true and interesting story from our preferred medium. Liam, are you going first today? Uh, yeah. All right. Excellent. Back off, man. Mm, that was such a snappy little intro. Just a fun little snack. Oh, God. Ruin the word snack for me. So, this year, 2017, was the year we all got cursed. So, I'm going to talk about the one of the most cursed IPs in all of Hollywood lore. Part 4. Foreboding Beginning. It's 1961, and a bunch of white dudes who own comic companies are playing golf. The DC guy brags to the Marvel guy that, uh, hey, I got the Justice League of America, and they're fucking selling up a storm. Little does he know that, like, 50-some-odd years later, <laughs> who boy. This lit a fire under the Marvel guy's butt to create a new superhero team. So he goes to Marvel editor-in-chief Stan Lee, and he relays all this information. And Lee is like, Excelsior, true believer, this is a great idea. <laughs> Lee wanted these to be heroes unlike any heroes he had made before. They'd be relatable. They'd be flawed. They'd have foibles. They would be human and superhuman. And so Stan Lee created the first issue of the Fantastic Four. And Lee says he created a synopsis for the first Fantastic Four story, and he gave it to penciler Jack Kirby, who drew the story. Then Kirby gave it back to Lee, who added the dialogue and captions. This became known as the Marvel Method and worked this became known as the Marvel Method, and it worked so well for Lee and Kirby that they used it from then on. Hey, Liam, who's in the Fantastic Four? Well, there's uh, Mr. Fantastic, Reed, Reed Richards, Richards, who has the power to bother me and stretch <laughs> really fast, really far. Uh, then there's Johnny Storm, who originally is an android that can light himself on fire. And then they were like, what if that was a dude? And that's what he does. What if meat? What if meat? We're coming out with what if meat t-shirts, our famous catchphrase. Everybody's favorite catchphrase, what if it's meat? There's Benjamin Grimm, the thing. Yes. Uh, John Carpenter's thing, a joke I use later in this. Oh my god. Uh, so edit that out the first time so that the second time it's good. Oh yeah, yeah, we're both very good at podcasting. Um, and then Susan Storm, who can turn... Invisible. Into thin air. And also into... 
Yep. No, 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 no. Yep. Wait a minute. Wait that's a minute. Canon. Now that I think about it, that's the superheroine named Storm. Storm. Aurora Monroe. So Jack Kirby says that Stan Lee is a liar and that Jack Kirby created the whole thing and then gave it to Lee, who just wrote a bunch of dialogue. And uh, they both hate each other and stole from each other and apparently were pricks. So who cares? A lot of comic historians literally are like, we'll never know who created the Fantastic Four. They argue about it. And when I say they, I mean Lee and Kirby. Like comic historians are like, we don't care. We're going to credit it to both of you. Shut up. <laughs> Stop talking. And basically this Marvel method thing they used, it allowed both guys to claim credit. So hey, in the end, two white dudes get paid. <laughs> so hooray. Capitalism works. It was a huge success. The first issue was really, really big. But from the beginning, Fantastic Four was distraught with behind-the-scenes tension and turmoil. Mm. And what does Hollywood love to do to creative IPs that have tons of popularity? They make shit out of it. They make so... And I don't mean, like, stinky poo. I mean, they just make stuff. And they make so much stuff. Part four, our Forcher presentation. Uh, there were four, four animated <laughs> cartoons about the Fantastic really? Four. Jesus. Yes. Uh, there's a Hanna-Barbera one that's like the most famous. There was a Fritz Freeling one that he co-produced that I'm very interested in seeing. Uh, there was like a 70s revamp one. And then there was like a Cartoon Network one in 2006 that I don't uh, think worked. I don't even remember that. I don't think it did very well. However, one member of the Fantastic Four got a fifth show. Can you guess which one it was? Van Grimm the thing. You are and it was correct. The shield. Wrong. <laughs> right, but also wrong and right at the same time. That's what I love about your answers, Tom, is you're both correct and incorrect. You see I'm Schrodinger's answer. You're Schrodinger's Aunt Sue. Sue Schrodinger, how you doing? In nineteen seventy-nine, the thing was featured as half of the Saturday morning cartoon Fred and Barney Meet the Thing. Like the Flintstones friend and Barney. Is it? Is it? Yabba dabba indeed, is Tom. Is it because he's made out of rocks? No. See, they never crossed paths except for in the opening. It was just a way to put in uh, revamped, Flintstone, <laughs> revamped Flintstones cartoons with a new version of The Thing. Well, they called them The Flintstones because the remake was so flimsy. It was a total radical makeover for the series. The title character was Benji Grimm, a teenage boy who possessed a pair of magic thing rings, which could transform him into the thing when he put them together and said, thing ring, do your thing. Oh my God. They just put thing twice in the, in the motto. Yep. Uh, green Lantern. I am the Green Lantern, and I touch my Green Lantern for strength. I thought we wish it was Green Lantern. I am the green one. Hal <laughs> Jordan, go. Uh, no other member of the Fantastic Four appears in the series, nor do Flintstone stars Fred and Barney, even though they're in the title of the program. This show was so successful that they added another cartoon into the mix, and it became... Fred and Barney meet the Thing and the Shmoo. Do you know about the Shmoo? Oh, he's Liam, a weird. Tell me about the Shmoo. He's a weird white blob with a mustache that had a cartoon where he solved mysteries. It was a huge Scooby Doo ripoff. There have also been four Fantastic Four movies. Shmooty Shmooty Shmoo, where are you at? <laughs> we gotta <laughs> solve that crime now. <laughs> uh, there have been four Fantastic Four movies, all of them bad. Let's go through them. Part four, 
Roger Foreman's attempt. Is this, I think I've heard about this. It's like a super low budget one, right? Like very, very early 90s. In 1983, German producer Bernd Einger uh, met with Marvel Comics' Stan Lee to explore obtaining an option for a movie based on the Fantastic Four. It was not made available until 86, and then uh, Bernd's company, Neu Constantin Film, obtained the price for the not enormous amount of $250,000. Hey, hate to break that to you, guy. That's an enormous amount. <laughs> Maybe not like for... a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Especially for back in the day. For It was 86. Despite some interest from, you know, little, little startups, Warner Brothers and Columbia Pictures, uh, they were like, eh, you know what? Who cares? You can take it. And Noy Constantine uh, got the picture and then let the rights expire until 1992 and then asked Marvel if they could take another crack at it. So basically, Burnt was like, hey, if I make a super low budget movie, we get to keep the rights. So he brought on B-movie specialist Roger Corman. They had a million dollars and they made a movie. Uh, production began on December 28th, 1992 under music video director Ole Sassone. <laughs> I love that name. Um, but they had like a pretty legit crew. They got had the whole thing storyboarded. It was a 25 day shoot. They shot uh, in a sound stage, including some um, uh, other stages out in Agora, California, for a spacecraft crash scene. They they used the Loyola. They used the oh my god. They used the Loyola. Loyola. Wow. They used the Loyola. Lo- I, I, dude, I had to wake up at 3:30 in the morning your time. Crayola. Loyola. <laughs> Anyways, they used the college for a campus for a lab explosion scene. <laughs> oh, this is weird. Uh, the costume designer, uh, Reve Richards, recalled in 93 going to Golden Apple Comics on Melrose to buy a bunch of Fantastic Four comics due to research. And when they were like, why do you need all these comics? He explained what he did. And they were like, are you going to be faithful to it? You have to be faithful to it. You're going to be faithful to it, right? Oh, and he was God. like, I was super uncomfortable. And he was like, yeah, of course. That's why I'm buying all these books. The film was announced in 1993 in a magazine article with a tentative release of Labor Day weekend. Uh, oh, also, they had a 48-piece orchestra do the soundtrack, which mm. I thought was like, that's a that's a lot of production. That's a lot of pieces. There was a world premiere announced. An auditorium was selected. San Diego Comic-Con was notified. Uh, Ronald McDonald's charity was going to be involved. And then Burnt told Sassone that the film would not be released. Uh, the film was never going to be released. Yeah, they, of course not. It was. It was never. It was just like a rights thing. Yeah, it was. It's called an ash can, and basically, mm. if they make something with the property, they get to keep. They I can would, extend. The I right. was shown um, like a like a weird pilot. I mean, like nothing else had been written for it for like a Shannara Chronicles movie or or TV show or something. Shannara Chronicles was made into a TV. I show. I know it was made into a TV show. There is a there is a pilot episode of a TV show for it that is different, terrible, and I have seen it and it's unwatchable. So then the film would not be released. It would be shelved. It would become popular again when Arrested Development used it in their season four plotline for some reason. Hmm. Um, and it's on YouTube and yeah, yeah, yeah. I've right heard, now. I've heard People about it. I've seen, it. seen. There's a documentary it. Yeah. about it. It's it's pretty interesting. We're gonna talk about Roger Corman one of these days. He deserves his own story. They they were after this. They let the film rights lapse again, and they had to make it scramble to make another movie. So we go to part four, Jessica Alba, but there's a four in the name and it's silent. 
listen to the production of a new Fantastic Four movie, how hard it was to place down a director. We start in 1995 with Chris Columbus. He's going to direct the okay, movie. Okay, good choice. Um, yeah, not a terrible choice. He does yeah. the first two Harry Potter movies. Yeah, He's written right. a couple of success. That's a pretty it's safe bet. Whimsy. It, this is the 90s. Comic book movies are not a thing at this point. Yeah. Uh, you need you need someone who could do this. Well, then he decided to set back, focus on other stuff, and he was going to produce it under his 1492 Pictures Company, who did produce it. Peter Siegel was hired to direct in 1997, but then he was replaced by Sam Wiseman the following year. Uh, the following year. Oh, no, sorry, by the end of the year. So it's been two years. Three directors have already, we've already been through them. They brought in a new writer to rewrite the script in 1998 and lowered the budget because it was $165 million at this point. So it's 1999. They get Sam Wiseman. It's going to come out in 2001. And they hire Sam Wiseman and they decide (laughs) to hire uh, Raja Gosnell. However, Gosnell decides to direct Scooby-Doo instead. Oh, man. I watched Scooby-Doo the other day. That's weird movie. A weird movie. James Gunn wrote it. Mm-hmm. And so they had to, you know, they had to rescind the 2001 release date. And then they brought Peyton Reed on board to direct it in April 2001. And Twin Peaks co-creator Mark Frost was brought in to write the script. He actually, the script that they wrote is the one they used for the movie. Weird. Have you seen, have you seen this Fantastic Four movie? It's bad. It's bad. It's really, really bad. bad. So they still don't have a director. They've gone through about five people now. It's been almost 10 years. Oh, my God. So then some uh, Tim Story was signed to direct in April 2004 after Fox was impressed with his early cut of Taxi, a comedy starring Queen Latifah and Jimmy Fallon. That, to me, is a very strange decision where it's like, well, we like that comedy movie he did with an SNL guy. We'll let him direct our it's 165 million Fantastic Four movie. The film stars British lesbian Ione Griffin as the stretchy guy, The Shield's Michael Chiklis as John Carpenter's The Thing, Jessica Alba as the invisible lady, so they could show Jessica Alba somewhat naked at some point, which is kind of a bummer that that's the reason they cast her. Yeah, there's that whole there's a whole scene on a bridge where her invisibility powers start working and then don't, and then everybody sees her naked. And then comedy. comedy. Let's sexually humiliate a woman. Uh, Chris Evans plays a man who is on fire named Fireman. Yes. Uh, it made over three times its budget and has a twenty. 20- uh, 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 hot boy. Hot boy. Thank you. It made over three times its budget and has a twenty-seven percent on ro- uh, Rotten to name <sighs> Tomatoes. Part four: Silver Surfer. Uh, Fantastic Four Two: Rise of the Silver Surfer came out in two thousand seven with the same director and a script written by Simpsons writer Don Payne and Twin Peaks co-creator Mark Frost. <laughs> It features Doug Jones as the body of the Silver Surfer and Larry Fishburne as his voice. Love it when Lawrence comes into a picture to lend his voice. So this was supposed to be the second, and they wanted to do the full Galactus trilogy. And Galactus is a fan-favorite Marvel villain. He's this big giant with this weird armor, and the Silver Surfer is like his... so goofy. Yeah, the the Silver Surfer is his harbinger. And so what do they do to Galactus in the movie? They make him a storm cloud. He's a big cloud of gas! Yeah. Fun time. And Susan Storm says, there can only be one, and then turns into rain. So, uh, this movie made almost double its budget and has a 37 on RT, but uh, Fox was like, we we need to, Not we're going to do this. This, yeah. this is embarrassing. Everyone wanted, everyone involved wanted to do a third one, but Fox was like, I, I, I just don't think it's a good Oh, yeah, idea. the movie ends with the Silver Surfer thought dead floating through space, and then his eyes flutter open. And then there's someone who later would become Nova is also in it. 
That's very dumb. See, this was before Iron Man. It was actually released literally like months before Iron Man came out. Maybe maybe a year before. And, uh, you know, you just need people who can treat the silliness and, with silliness and the you know serious parts with a little bit of more grace. But now it's 2015. Superhero Who's... movies are a big, big, big deal. And they're all about killing people now. They're all about how fucked up it is to be a superhero, Liam. So Fox had to do what they always do mm-hmm. since, uh, well, I don't know if Get you know this. bought by Disney. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that later. Um, so the MCU is super successful at this point. They, in fact, ask the comics to stop making new X-Men and to cease all Fantastic Four titles because they don't own the film rights to it. So what does Fox do? Reboot time. Part four. Josh Trank, but the A is a four. <laughs> Chronicle is a found footage movie written by known creep and pervert Max Landis and directed by Josh Trank. People re- We should we should say more explicit than creep and pervert, full sexual predator, rapist. Fuck that dude and fuck the people who give him jobs. And people really, really like this movie, so Fox thought it found its raw talent for the Fantastic Four flick. I believe Max Landis wrote a script for it and Fox went, Nope. <laughs> and they hired some guy named Jeremy Slater instead. And his script had, like, all these different Fantastic Four villains, Galactus, Mole Man, all these different things, the Silver Surfer, the Fantastic Car, (laughs) all this crazy shit. And it became a different thing because Josh Trank was a little odd during production. Um, A lot of people auditioned for this movie. Uh, A lot of really famous names. Kit Harington, Margot Robbie, Sarah Sue Ronan, Eddie Redmayne, Dom Hall Gleason. And, of course, the four that were casted, Miles Teller, Kate Mara, Michael B. Jordan, and Jamie Bell. Um, and I, this is just me. I kind of think uh, this is weird. When uh, So there's some backlash from racist people because Michael B. Jordan is black and the Human Torch is not depicted as black in the comics. Gang, which doesn't matter. Fuck, doesn't yeah. give a fuck. He's a great actor. It was a great choice. But then when Josh Trank was asked about it, he said... Well, I wanted it in line with real world demographic demographics, and like that's that's all well and good, but also that's your friend. You could also just say like my talented friend Michael is a good actor, and I wanted to. I just thought it weird that he broke it down to demographics. Is yeah. that just me? No, no, no. That's also weird because that also comes from a place of like a, a lot of like horrible racists will be like, yeah. well, like of course there are no people of color in this like fantasy show because there were no black people in Europe or whatever, and it's right. like, no, 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 like that's. That's not the point of fiction. Fiction doesn't, like, perfectly one-to-one align with real life. And, like, hey, get, like, guess what, guys? None of these fantasy stories are fucking real. None of it matters. There's a woman who's made out of, like, dragon. Who's, like, a dragon or something. No, no, shit. she's made out of dragons. Yeah, right. she's made out of dragons. You got it right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if there's are That's where yeah, yeah. You know who else auditioned for uh, the ro- a role in this movie, though? Who? Mads Mikkelsen. Guess which role? Oh, Oh no! Oh no! Um, You're I not... want to say, please tell me, Doctor Doom. Mister Fantastic. Oh. Uh, it was what he calls the. He said it's basically one of the worst audition process, referring to it as mad and wrong. Uh, the only thing he was asked to do during his audition was stretch his arms as long as he could make them. What? Yeah, that's weird. That's weird. I Josh Trank is Josh weird. Trank thinks that fiction is reality. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Um, the problems continued during production. So basically, uh, I read like a bunch of different things about this, and I couldn't fully pin down what happened. So 
all of this is allegedly and all of this is uh, totally uh, contradictory stories from different parties. So basically, on set, Josh Trank was super combative, uh, would basically just be by himself with the monitors watching takes and was very controlling of like when the actors should blink and when and how they should breathe. Um, so that's from, I know, but that's from stories from the crew. The producers also came in and rewrote the whole end of the script on the fly for some reason wanting to make it like grittier and darker, even though, you know, they had this sort of fantastical script, which was just going to be way too expensive. I had, I had read that Josh Trank was interested in, uh, like upping the kind of body horror elements of the Fantastic Four, where like, and and some of it does end up coming across in the movie. I in think, like where one like, scene. In like one scene where it's like very scary, and like Ree Richards' arms are growing, and he's like, whoa! Yeah. And then the guy who, and then Ben Graham is like, I mean, I don't rock I'm a rock guy. And in the script, I think it was supposed to be more like weird and and fun, okay. and uh, but nope, it was gonna be a weird, dark, gray planet movie. <laughs> Oh, boy. And uh, there was a, a story about how Josh Trank, like, did $100,000 in property damage to the place he was staying in. Oh, my God. And apparently defaced pictures of the landlord and his family. I don't know how true that is because I read a different report that it was just his dogs that he left in the place that did all the damage. But I also read that Fox, from the day they hired him, was like, we shouldn't have done this. <laughs> Which is weird also. Yeah. Uh, Trank posted a message on Twitter one day prior to the film's relief that heavily criticized the finished film. He was super dissatisfied, and he stated, A year ago, I had a fantastic <laughs> version of this, and it would have received great reviews. You'll probably never see it. That's reality. He deleted the message shortly after. Um, later that year, Trank was removed from directing a star upcoming Star Wars project, which I don't think was going to be the Han Solo movie, but might have been the Han Solo movie, mm. but might have been the third un unannounced spinoff. Regardless, it lost him a Star Wars movie. No, oh, that's a bummer. Um, well, the biggest bummer is the Fantastic Four movie itself because it's generally generally considered god-awful hot trash. It has a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. <sighs> Dull and downbeat, this Fantastic Four proves a woefully misguided attempt to translate a classic comic series without the humor, joy, or colorful thrills that made it great. Ooh, ooh, can I read one? Yes. Why don't you read what Peter Traverse from the Rolling Stone said? It has the... Uh... The cinematic equivalent of malware and is worse than worthless. Thanks, Peter. <laughs> You're welcome, Liam. Uh, it got shattered by critics. Um, they also criticized the blatant continuity errors, such as Kate Mara's or Mara, sorry, uh, hair change, because like oh, they did reshoots yeah. and she had to do a wig. wig. And Miles Teller sometimes had facial hair, and then sometimes it would not be there. <sighs> The reshoots were so uh, rushed that they didn't care about any of this continuity, Clear clearly just scrambling to try to make any sense of what this was going to be. So I thought that would be the end of Josh Trank, but it turns out he's directing a upcoming movie called Fonzo about Al Capone's last days in jail starring Tom Hardy. So take with that what you will. Uh, part four, The Forcher. Uh, 20th Century Fox pretty much scrapped their plans for Fan 4 Stick 2, Electric Boogaloo. And then, wouldn't you know it, Disney Dunn went and bought the goddamn property. So now Marvel's first family can maybe possibly get a good movie, but I don't know. I don't know. Fifth time's the charm? And, and at what cost? <laughs> Anyways. Well, thank you, So Leah. ends 
the cursed year of the cursed movie yeah that was really good i i've known about a lot of those terrible projects and never really like thought about them in the context of the property of the fantastic four that's very yeah we're gonna take a quick break and when we get back we're gonna hear the final conclusion to tom's three-part story hello listener do you like a scare a jump a fright how about maine how do you feel about maine if any of those words made your heart skip a beat then i've got a podcast for you King Me is a monthly Stephen King podcast where I, Tom Lockney, and a guest watch through a theatrical adaption of a work by everyone's favorite Northeastern author and talk about it with a little help from the source material. So, if you're feeling particularly brave, join me on my descent into terror on the Major Casts Network or wherever you find podcasts. And we're back. Hey everybody, it's me. Tom Lockney, hot boy. Don't tell anybody. They can't know my secret identity. And I'm here to finish up. Tom, I'm in the bathroom. Did you start recording without me? Just kidding. Little audio joke for you. <laughs> finish your finish your three-parter. I'm going to finish my three-parter about trash talk and esports and video. James. Quick setup for those who didn't tune in for the last two episodes. I really love it when you call him Video James. <laughs> I'm glad That's you do. so good. Trash talk has always existed, but only recently have mainstream sports really broadened the acceptance and tone of trash talk. Now it's less polite, more openly hostile, and often goes unpunished. Esports are sports and are therefore subject to similar displays of trash talk. Last leak was a fun little list of great moments in esports trash talk, and this week I'll be wrapping up my three-parter with a deep dive into one of the great rivalries that's emerged in 2017 in the competitive Street Fighter V scene. Sharks versus Jets. Are you ready for this, Liam? Mortal Kombat! Two Street Fighter V players, Kenneth K. Brad Bradley and Joshua Wolfcrone with K, Philpot have been in the game for years now, but things only started to heat up as recently as January of 2017. That's a year ago today! Philpot. <laughs> His last name is Philpot. Philpot. Does that mean his family for a living filled pots? Uh, no, they... it's like how the Cooper. If your last name's Cooper, it means that at some point your your family is probably a barrel maker. It means they make pots exclusively for people named Phil. Ooh, but only one. You hear that, Phil Collins? Only one. It's not Phil Potts. Do 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 do. <gasps> Phil Collins. When he's drumming, he's obviously drumming on Phil Potts. Oh fuck! We cracked the case. At Frosty Fostings Nine, <laughs> Wolf Crone took K. Brad to the downtown. <laughs> Oh, Frosty Fostings, good name. <laughs> What's Fosting? I'm not entirely sure. Ugh. It could be, or it could be uh, more like the case of Dr. Faustus and be more like Frosty Faustings. That's a little. Christopher Marlowe loved Street Fighter. Oh yeah, all the all the people who really care about literary canon who listen to this po literary canon such bullshit. And if you care about it, fuck off. I don't you, know what you're listening to. Is that when you us? stuff a canon filled with dumb books? I'm not gonna read. <laughs> it's all Zizek. <laughs> <laughs> so Wolfgrown beats K. Brad at Frosty 
Fostings, building up some tension between the two. They are then slated to rematch in another tournament, final round 20. Still riding high on his win, Wolf Crown takes to Facebook in March to poke the cave bear. Oh my god, this isn't real. Can I just say, do you think the guys at Frosty Fosting, when they heard the next competition called Final Round 20, were like, oh, we should have gotten something that makes sense. Yes, penultimate Fostings. (laughs) (laughs) Quote, Welp, two Ps, looks like I have to fuck PHK Brad up again. Three exclamations, period. Thinking now of how I should pop off on the dumb fuck. PH once more ellipses and your eh, fat hungry friends running to the stage to help you won't save you end quote I'm going to talk about some of the lingo in this in a hot second and why I do not like it and why it is bad uh, within 13 minutes however K Brad has a screen cap of the post and comments about it on Twitter oh yeah that's right motherfucker we're going to social wait, media wait. <laughs> Oh my god, hold on, slow down. Wolf Crow? No, 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 I just want to make sure. So, K-Brad, which by the way, tops on the name, my dude. Uh, K-Brad sees this Facebook post and he goes to talk about it on Twitter? Yes. Okay, cool. Just want to make sure I'm following the media jumping. Quote, LMAO! (laughs) I love how much this guy thinks of me. Somebody get this man some help. End quote. All right. Wow. Let's let's uh let's, let's break this down. Yeah, literally, that's literally what I have written. K Brad. This is on my trash talk and I'm here to say I'm going to I like K Brad in a major way. <laughs> so, this is online. Is there a precedent set for this? Yes. Yeah, our presidents. Yeah, they know each other in real life. They occupy the same scene in the same capacity. They have likely interacted before and would have reasons to continue to do so in the future. They are not strangers. They are competitive colleagues. I think that this is maybe the one of the only parameters in which like taking online to like talk trash is acceptable in a competitive format. Uh, don't don't like at strangers who you don't know with trash talk or something like that that's a weird thing to do it's very weird don't say it also not really necessary in voice chat and games either yeah it's 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 weird that your only way of expressing yourself is being like i'm gonna fuck your mom like what First of all, no, you're not. Yeah. I also want to emphasize that uh, same capacity point as well. They each hold the same amount of sway in the scene. There's no unfair power dynamic here preventing either player from like safely responding, nor is there pressure to respond. Each party can voluntarily engage in this trash talk without fear of imbalanced consequences. Again, something we notice online is like YouTubers with bigger followings and other ones like engaging in rivalries or feuds. Um, but because one of them has a bigger following, that other person who's smaller and not really like prepared for that level of uh, visibility can get like dogpiled and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Additionally, one is not subjecting to the other to anything that the other person cannot respond with in kind. They have the same power here. There's no yeah imbalance of ability or fan base. Uh, the actual content of the trash talk kind of gives me pause. Uh, fat hungry friends is both shitty to. Uh, larger people 
and also is homophobic. Hungry is the male version of the term thirsty, with, of course, the implication being that K-Brad is friends with a bunch of gay dudes who want to fuck him, and that makes him lesser. That's whack as fuck. Uh, also, somebody get this man some help is another example of punching down. Anyways, I have to, yeah, want to stress this stuff does not take place in a vacuum, and the presence of a platform means that the things that you say to your competitive peers feeds out into the real world, which is why you shouldn't contribute to homophobic narratives that get people killed. Because mm -hmm. that's the other thing. Competition, trash talk, rivalry, this all exists to build towards an inherently competitive narrative. This is like, this is like outward feeding. And while these narratives are partly based on the abilities and positive qualities displayed by each party, they are also based around the quote-unquote negative qualities identified through trash talk. Chapter 2. This is the only one with the name. Okay, Brad. <laughs> so the two men are slated to fight each other at final round 20, and each needed the victory to stay to the uh, in the top 64 bracket. It was on. Then it was off. K-Brad stomps Wolfcrown. Two to zero. Trances him. It is so fucking brutal. And the announcers are talking about uh, K-Brad responding to Wolfcrown and, like, feuding, like... Just the general feud. So. Yeah, yeah. They're encouraging it. Everybody smells blood in the water. Within a second... Who's flooding the game convention with bloody water? <laughs> what? That's awful, Tom. Tell the story about that. And within a second of securing the final KO... K-Brad gets up, bends low, and stares down Wolfcrown, inches away from his face for a full 20 seconds, wordless. Oh! 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 Tell him about himself! Tell him about himself! Tell him about himself! Let him know! Tell him about himself! Talk to him! Tell him about himself! Tell him about himself! That's what I like to see! That's Yo, punk! That's what Talk I like that. to see. Talk that. That's what I like to see. <laughs> there are a lot of white dudes freaking out in the crowd. <laughs> I love it. Weird. Right? I also should note at this point, like, uh, K-Brad, uh, while I was doing research for this, there's, there's a moment that K-Brad is known for uh, during an entrance where he walks out and strikes a stone-cold Steve Austin pose. Uh, there is a lot of like speculation whether this is fake or real, and the answer is that it's probably a little bit of both. Ooh. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, like, clearly this dude knows what WWE is and really likes that like rivalry heel kind of narrative stuff, and it wants to incorporate that into his esports persona. And it sounds like Wolfcrown is. Uh, even if he's not like fully in on it is kind of all right to to fill that role uh no words are spoken it's just a stare down it has physicality but it's taking place after the match has already been won it's not like an intimidation technique it's not no, a threat it's, it's just a th it's just a thing that happens yeah it's more like a show of dominance like a literal in your face move but it's not even dis it's not even that disrespectful I mean, like he gets like right up in there. Like eh. you can tell, you can tell exactly what the guy's clapping the, the whole time. Is. Oh yeah, yeah. Like that's that's also part of why I think that like they're both definitely in on it is because like yeah, like it was a really good win. If you watch that fight, it's it's clear that K. Brad just like outperformed Wolf Crone. And there's, I think, a, at least a little bit of respect there. These people have been in the Street Fighter Five scene for like quite a while. So yeah. K-Brad stands up back upright, 
Wolf Crone claps, shakes K. Brad's hand, and looks resigned. This narrative has so much steam, even the organizers are loving it. Commentators are playing that clip on their shows, speculating how Wolf Crone is gonna come back from this. Everybody wants to see them fight again. So like, it worked, yeah. like this is working. Everybody loves this. It turned into wrestling. So they would go on to fight during a group match at the late March E-League Invitational. Well, look, things maybe are gonna get a little bit heated. We had an interview with the both of them earlier today. Check this out, it's crazy. Both? So uh, I wanna talk about your next match uh, against K-Brad, someone who you have a little bit of history with, you know. Uh, you, you, uh, hey, K-Brad, uh, okay. You step off, my brother. Yeah, I'm gonna stay right here. No, 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 it's okay. It's, we grown men. We good. We grown men. Yeah, we grown men. Yeah, yeah. We, right. my man, Chrome. We got play me. You know what's up, Chrome? No words. I ain't got nothing to say. Nothing to say. Crone, we got some questions. The Hold people on. got I some got, questions. I got, I got one. I got one. All right. So, 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 Crone. So then they the sit down for their match, and the camera pans over uh, to a security guard. Yeah, yeah. A pan e-league posts to Twitter with the caption, got extra security for this one, which kind of fucked that, I think, you know? That's weird. It, yeah, in something like WWE, that's more acceptable because the point of WWE is that it's not real, so they can do things in that heightened reality without it like necessarily encouraging actual real physical violence. Oh, man, one of my favorite uh, things I've ever seen is like a video of some wrestler at his like dad's funeral or something like that i don't it's obviously staged and oh, oh, and okay. then and then another wrestler shows up and like hooks his dad's coffin to his car and drives away with it and the wrestler jumps on his dad's coffin and falls off Amazing. It's fucking awesome and they can do that because that's not real none of that actually happened but it's weird when like the esports league is like whoa like wouldn't it be exciting if if they beat the shit out of each other in real life like no. the whole point of you know, stage combat is the central mode of interaction in WWE. Violence is carefully controlled, and even though it's like improvised, it's committed by trained professionals who understand that the point is not to actually hurt each other. Mm -hmm. uh, esports is at this time real and considered as such, even if the games themselves are to be treated as a real if a dramatized fake out of match feud evolves between two consenting parties, it should be made explicitly clear that like that's what's happening. Because mm -hmm. people watch this stuff and think that it is 100% real. They can think these two gamers absolutely hate each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it fucking sucks that E-League was like, wouldn't it be cool if real violence happened? Ugh. This time, Wolf Crone drops K-Brad and oh man, the crowd cannot wait to see what's gonna happen. Shocker, they don't beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> Good game, they say. They get up for a uh, post-match interview. Liam, here, would you like to watch? <sighs> we got security nearby, right? 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 All right, just double checking. Okay, Brad, you didn't get a chance to finish on that last interview, so I'm gonna let you start this off, man. Uh, give me a little bit of your thoughts on that match that just went down. Um, the last game, he was doing something that I didn't know how to deal with. He would, he would set the fireball right in front, and then I tried to low short it, and I couldn't put him. No, it's not excuses, you won. What are you talking about? You know, I'm not you, bro. I'm not you. I don't, I don't got to do the whole cold hands. I don't got to do the cold oh, hands. Give him a chance, bro. No, 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 stop talking. Shut your mouth real quick. So, so for, one, for one second, for one second, shut up. I'm trying to tell you that you did something good, you idiot. Now listen, listen. 
They're you so bad at this. Neither of them, neither of them are like particularly clever dudes. Uh, I do, I do really uh, like the reason that I picked this feud specifically was because I had been for a while now. Actually, I've been googling for, for something for a media major story, like famous esports rivalries and feuds, and a lot of them are just like. Yeah, these two guys are both really good at StarCraft, and so they beat, e they fought each other, and one of them won. But this was the only one that had like a real narrative, and like, I'm not gonna presume to know because I'm sure like on smaller scales, and also like esports reporting is uh, still not where it could or should be. Uh, I'm not gonna presume to call this like the first esports feud or whatever. But this was the first one that I could find that was like feudy, feudy, and on a on a like scale of visibility that I think it could be like important and affecting across multiple YouTube videos. Yeah, exactly, and it's long lasting too. Like one of the things, part of the reason that all the stuff on the list last week got relegated to last week, it, yeah, last week was because like they happened and then they ended, and this is something that's ongoing. Actually, in fact, this is the end of the story. These two are still, like, technically speaking, in a feud, and I'm really excited to, like, see where it goes because this is, I think, something that could, like uh, Muhammad Ali did in uh, way back when, at the very beginning of uh, this story, of this, this whole, whole ordeal. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think that this kind of has potential to do something similar to esports, where, like, clearly the fan base, commentators, and producers of esports mm -hmm. like this stuff like people think that this is good and they are encouraging it albeit in shitty ways and that has me uh raising an eyebrow but i think it's really interesting to think about how esports as a Whole. narrative as like a narrative medium you know and, and you know what i mean obviously yeah. there are real like rivalries and stuff but as as something that can but nothing elevate like itself in certain ways with these rivalries playing out across time like i just thought it's it was interesting to see where this will go because they're really bad at it they're really bad at it i want them to get better at it i want them to not just like name call and do more fun creative things like the dude who beat his opponent with the toes yeah or even even that like stare down was yeah. was cool and good so that is the end of you my your three Pete, your my three parter. first three parter. You beginning. Peter Jackson all over the place. Oh, I really did, didn't I? Oh, you know what it means now. I've got to do another three parter, and it's going to be terrible. But it's probably going to be because, like, behind the scenes, you're treating me we'll like we'll talk about or it one day. Uh, so sometimes we talk about bummer stuff on this show, and other times we talk about Fantastic Four movies and esports. Yeah, who's to say where? those may lie but whether things are good or bad everybody likes to indulge in a little self-care and that's why we wrap up every podcast with the self-care corner where we talk about a nice thing that happened to us in our days our weeks and our lives i would like to go uh first i've got two technically one is a very quick one hey liam you edited the last two on very short notice because I've been very busy lately and you did a very good job and I would like to acknowledge that. Oh, thank, thank you, you thank very you. much. You're a wonderful co-host. The other self-care is that it's 2018 and if you're listening, you survived and that is worth mentioning. Survival can sometimes be self-care. Yeah. Liam, 
Do you have a self-care corner I got for this a week? Switch. He did. He got a switch. I was playing Mario Odyssey earlier today, and I realized that I'm really, really, really attracted really, to Cappy. Aren't really you? attracted to Cappy. Yeah. Hey, listen, gang. It's 2018. Time to get time to get weird with it. He's a hat, Tom. Don't you can't can't hide from yourself in 2018. 2018. I couldn't. Uh, do plugs. Oh, go to our Twitter, media, ma- at Media so Majors tired. Cast. I'm so sorry. Liam's so tired, everybody. Two planes, Email two us at MediaMajorsPodcast at gmail.com. Check out the other shows on the MajorCast network. There's a new episode of King Me that just went up about sure Creep Show. It's a fun, it's a fun little snack. Didn't really enjoy Creep Show, but thought we got some good material out of it. Yeah, Creep Show was not fun. Oh, boy. that What a, what a boring, dumb movie. Yeah, um, like us on Facebook. Major Cast Network is on Facebook. That's where, if you're interested in checking out all the other shows when they are released, uh, we put little updates up there. And Tom's fun little little captions. Little yeah, goof em ups. I always, uh, yeah, I always write something. And as always, we'll be there. For you. Thanks for listening to the Major Cast Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.